Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt, and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humor. Enjoy this week's episode. We are live. We're not actually live because we're recording this, but um, we'll just go in, shall we? Cool. Let's right. do it. Let's do it. So this will be episode number 74, I understand, I think. Mm-hmm. I should know this because I uploaded them all. Uh, not all of them, actually, tell a lie. Ed's uploaded them all, most of them. I've uploaded the last few, so I should remember the episode numbers. Um, so yes, episode 74. And obviously, this is another get to know the coach. We need to come up with a jingle for that, really, don't we? I should have I made a jingle from the start. Get like Ed did one, actually, I remember right at the start. It was something like, get to know, get to know, get to know that coach. Woo! Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, that is a pretty shit jingle. Yeah, I was cringing a little bit as you were doing that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I thought it was my, my beautiful tones. I thought you were going to love it. Mm, okay. <laughs> Obviously not. It might be fun. Well, okay. Well, um, that's a good start to this episode, getting slated by my fellow coach. Sorry, sorry. God's sake. It right. Well, for those that are listening, um, you can obviously tell I'm here, and you can obviously tell Fran's here, because unless Matt's uh, suddenly got a very high-pitched voice, or... Paolo's, um, I don't actually, I don't know if he's talked too much about his supplementation and whether, I can't remember if he's actually mentioned what, what um, obviously we've talked about, we're going to do a rundown of kind of what he's going through currently, but I don't think he's actually said, has he? I don't know, I can't remember. I don't recall um, hearing him talk about it publicly on the podcast. No, he's, he mentioned something, as, as in it has been spoken of, but I don't know if he mentioned specific of what it is so maybe we'll keep that secret just in case because i can't remember i was gonna say maybe his uh, current supplement range is affecting his voice i don't know quite a teaser for everyone listening isn't it <laughs> everyone's gonna be wondering now um can we just say paul is not taking performance enhancing drugs as such so just in case anyone's wondering if he's taking steroids he's not taking steroids <laughs> he's not taking um anabolic steroids <laughs> this, this hole's getting bigger uh, <laughs> uh, yes should we just leave it at paul will come on and talk about yes paul will talk about his uh his experience one day we'll just leave it at that i think yeah good idea. <laughs> so before we go into finding actually this will almost be your third episode about you yeah, it, pretty much. Thinking about that, yeah. Um, so if anyone I, gets to know me. <laughs> well, um, this is fast. Some of it might overlap, I suppose, but some of it might not. I hope mm-hmm. we find out some new stuff because obviously it's the whole point of them. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do, when was the last episode you were on? Can you remember? I was on Get to Know the Coach with Paul okay. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I um, believe. Have you been on since your powerlifting meet? If that was only a couple of weeks ago, you would have been. So maybe it's a bit longer than that. Gosh, yeah. Obviously, these aren't, aren't always recorded and released instantaneously. So there might have been a delay there as well. So anyway, so just trying to think about what people have last heard and what's happened in the world of Fran Bolt since. Yeah, so if it was, if I haven't been on since my powerlifting meet, I have now competed. Um, and I was very happy with my performance. 
I didn't hit any all-time PBs, but I hit competition PBs, so it means that I've lifted slightly heavier in the gym, but when you're actually on the platform um, with judges and a big crowd of people, it's kind of a different scenario. Um, so I was pleased to have hit competition PBs, and I placed third, so that's like third in the country for my age and weight category. No, third? Fifth, sorry. Fifth? Fourth. Fifth. Fifth. Let's, let's go four, because it's in the middle. I remember. <laughs> I played, yeah. <laughs> somewhere um but yeah it was a very very competitive category and i was very pleased to have placed fifth that was kind of my goal going in so yeah yeah in, in terms of because obviously i've never i'm not a powerlifter i've done a powerlifting meet um yeah i guess from my own personal experience of training different gyms that can sometimes really affect performance negatively um, but mm-hmm. from other stuff I've done in competition style stuff, so whether it be more sport based, so uh, I've played at a reasonable level of football, uh, amateur level anyway, but like a reasonable amateur level of football where I've been in like cup finals and stuff. And I always find that I've played better in those scenarios. And the same with like endurance events I've done, I always have found that I've, I've ran better in endurance events than compared to when training alone. So um, obviously, you mentioned about your being a uh, gym meet PB, but not a, sorry, yeah, a meet PB, but not a gym PB. So mm-hmm. what do you think that is or kind of like make, explain, yeah, talk about that. So um, without trying to get my excuses in early, um, I did have to cut weight for the competition. So it means that all of the PBs that I hit in the gym were probably at uh, maybe like two kilos heavier, mm-hmm. which when you're a small individual, two kilos does make a big difference in terms of um, being able to move weight. Um, And I suppose the other reason is when I hit individual lift PBs, it would have been um, just one on one day. So I would have gone in and I would have hit a squat PB. um, And then I probably wouldn't have benched and deadlifted on the same day. Whereas when you go in and do a meet, you're obviously doing three attempts for each lift all on the same day with kind of an hour in between. So it just um, becomes, by the end of the day, you have a lot of fatigue that's built up. Um, And yeah, it is generally tougher. And I suppose the third reason would be you've got judges looking for all of the very small technical things that can actually make you fail the lift. Um, so things like if your bum popped up off the bench in your bench press, um, or if your squat wasn't quite to depth, or if your deadlift wasn't locked out well enough, um, then they would all be failed lifts. Whereas in the gym, you probably would count it as a PB. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think the uh, point about your the first point you raised around weighing less. Um, that's a huge. That's not none of those are excuses. They're all actually hundred percent valid reasons. So mm-hmm. obviously, don't feel like excuses because they're not. Uh, I think that's something that people miss sometimes, like the whole body weight thing. Because obviously, you get different leverages because you're smaller. You um, being an energy deficit leading into a competition potentially. I know you didn't cut calories. I mean, you did obviously diet into it a bit, didn't you? But obviously, you used some other um, weight management protocols rather than necessarily just cutting body fat or cutting calories in you but still obviously being energy restricted as such that then makes a big difference doesn't it so i think people kind of don't realize that and i think it's worth highlighting because you you will you'll tend to find i mean i've, I've had a couple of clients that have been like this when they're dieting and they're in a gym and they get really pissed off because they're struggling with performance i think people fail to remember that actually in reality you're stronger because your power to weight ratio is better because you you weigh yeah. less if you manage to maintain your strength but you're weighing less, you're technically stronger because your say your power to weight ratio is actually better. I think that's a big point people miss. So yeah, like I, I 
as I say, your the, the point you around the brand, like why it might be in your gym. If you're heavier, then that's going to make quite a big difference, and obviously all the other facts as well. But as I say, I thought it's definitely worth highlighting because I just I'm not sure people kind of it's something that I tell people anyway in clients. Then when they start to worry or get upset or struggle about, oh, I can't can't quite lift what I used to, even though I'm like ten pounds lighter. I said like, that's why you know. So look at it. Actually, you are stronger in reality. My um, so in powerlifting we use a thing called a Wilkes score, and that is your kind of body weight to um, to weight lifted ratio. And my Wilkes score compared to my last competition had gone up. Mm. So even though I was weighing a little bit, um, I think I weighed in a bit heavier than my last competition. Actually, um, my power to weight still had um, kind of gone up, yeah. uh, like in line with everything else. But yeah, the weight cut I think took more out of me than even I expected. I kind of thought, oh, it's just a couple of kilos. But that last week, having to, um, so, but I think I spoke about it a little bit on another episode where I was kind of like struggling to lose weight because my training was really hard. So I wasn't wanting to do anything too extreme because performance definitely mattered to me. Um, so I kind of left it to the last week to do um, some water manipulation and some salt manipulation and also um, fairly, for me, low calories in that last week. Um, and I think by the time it got to um, the actual competition day, I almost couldn't um, eat enough to make up for the mm. fact that I was pretty depleted. Um, so probably by the time I had got to deadlifts and I'd eaten cake and donuts and God knows what else, I was fine. But at the beginning of the day, I only really had an hour between when I weighed in and when I started squatting um, to get food inside of me. And because my stomach wasn't particularly used to big quantities of food after like dieting, basically, I didn't want to eat so much that like my belt didn't fit or I felt sick or any other factors. Yeah. Um, so I think it affected my squats the most, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, if you're depleted as well because you've gone in in a energy restricted state and you're even a little bit depleted, it's going to take a lot, uh, you know, more than an hour to to assimilate some of those carbohydrates and stores glycogen, which you obviously know is what's going to be probably most key to performance. So even if you have like the most yeah. fast acting stuff, like if you just literally just drink fucking sugar. Like it's not going to be that easy to get it in and, and ready to use within an hour. So that's the difficulty in why weight cuts um, in any sports, like not just powerlifting, but any weight making sports like MMA or boxing or those types of things, they they can really, or they are, I think they're sometimes overused and it's underestimate how much it does take out of people. Um, you see it loads in MMA all the time. Like you see people fighting for ages at certain weight classes, and you know that where every time they go for a training camp ready for a fight, they end up having to cut loads of weight to get down to a certain weight class. And when you then see them decide to have enough and just go up weight class, they look so much better in their fights. They look so much more energy, look so much faster, um, less fatigued. And it's just like, why don't you do this from day one? And I guess it's exactly the same principle, isn't it? Yeah, well, we'd be happy to know that I am going up a weight category for my next competition, yeah. which will be next Easter sometime. I'm going to commit to going up to the 63s. Um, that was the kind of the general consensus from the meet was um i'm going up into a higher age category so i'll be a senior now um so i'm not particularly competitive as a senior yet because i'm still young um still got a lot of years ahead of me mm. um so it makes sense to fill out a slightly heavier category and kind of get stronger than try like almost limit myself by staying around the 57 mark. yeah 100 percent. and a lot of these things are like unless you'll have huge aspirations to win them which, like you just said, you're very young for obviously what categories you're now going to be in, so you you can't really be or expect to go in winning them. Then there's no reason why you wouldn't just push yourself through that weight class now and just just get used to it, get more experience, and just build your strength through that weight class. Because 
Um, and that way you just get the experience of the meat and all that type of stuff. You just got there to be do your best and not worry about anything else. Because that's the that's, I think that's probably not not I say not that I'm an expert in powerlifting, but I think my opinion most be for powerlifting stuff. Unless you're expected to win a weight class, I don't see any reason why you would drop down. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I say to everyone on the team um, at uni as well. I don't want anyone dropping down a weight class unless unless kind of they are like at the very top end and they're yeah. going to win because yeah. there's just you've got way more potential to get stronger um, and progress in the sport by kind of putting down muscle mass for one um, and just making the most out of your training by kind of getting a bit heavier yeah yeah, yeah. well obviously look at um, Bryce Lewis obviously he always went on a, a lot or, or a lower weight class didn't he and obviously the last I don't know how long he's been at higher weight class now but the last couple of years is it or something like that huh? um, and obviously he's looked phenomenal yeah, his lifts just like shot up, didn't they? Yeah, I, I don't wrong. I know, I know he's like the genetic elite, and not just that. Obviously, what you know, what I know about him, he's like the hardest working and you know on point of everything. In fact, most of the stuff, like if you, you follow his posts, most of his things are him talking about how he's finding it really hard to hold himself back. Because obviously, like Eric Helms is a coach, isn't he? And he's telling him to do certain stuff, and obviously Bryce is like, oh, I, I, I feel I could do more on this, but and he's obviously having to hold himself back. But yeah. You know, yeah, um, it's definitely a long powerlifting. <laughs> yeah, quite patient. Yeah, 100%. So, let's, uh, well, what else has been happening then? So, outside of the powerlifting meet, what else have you been doing? So, I have officially started my master's course. I'm in week five now. I guess things is like starting to build up a little bit um, on the university side of things. Got some deadlines coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's beginning to definitely feel a little bit more like I'm back as a student and actually having to work and um, kind of get my head around ticking boxes for exams and yeah. assignments and stuff. So I've had that going on um, as well, as well as this year I've, um, I'm the head of powerlifting at Loughborough University. Um, so uh, I'm at most training sessions, um, sorting out the team, sorting out the coaches, making sure everyone's happy spending a lot a lot of hours in the gym which is great fun it's probably not the best thing for um for focusing on my university stuff as well so I'm sure at some point I'll have to be a bit sensible and spend some more time studying and less time in the gym but for now it's been great fun take your books in the gym yeah it's very distracting though it's uh, lots of people to cheer on and help out and I can't imagine I'd want to be reading no, nutrition papers in the corner I know I'm joking um, no that sounds cool though so obviously a lot going on but it'll be worth it in the end yeah no it's been a like a great um, experience I've kind of said to everyone like I've probably not ever taken on a leadership role before um, so for me it's been like a a great I don't know I think I've developed a lot of confidence through it um, and a little bit of self-belief as well that actually people will listen to me if yeah. I um kind of do my job well which is quite nice you and we know you will we know you will 100 percent. yeah no it's going well so far so that's the well i'm sure everyone will love listening to that shall we um let's get into some of the questions shall we so um let's let's start with what your name is i know obviously i've said your name is fran bolt but let's give your full name okay my full name uh, technically francesca elizabeth bolt but um, everyone calls me Fran, uh, so that's yeah. Elizabeth, very um, uh, what's the word? Oh, 
Oh, they're all right. It's obviously a raw name. I was going to say very... Mm -hmm. Yeah, ignore me, because I can't think the right word. Um, how, how old are you? I am 23, although I constantly forget. I feel like because I'm amongst students all the time, I forget about 20. Yeah, but, um, that, doesn't get any, that doesn't get any better with age. <laughs> you still, I still feel like I'm 18. I mean, I'm, I'm only 25 now, obviously, but I like that's, that seven years has flown by. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know uh, really what's happened, but um, okay. So we get a bit of an idea of what you uh, you like doing in your spare time, obviously with powerlifting and obviously university stuff. But what else do you like doing in your spare time? So outside of powerlifting and uni, um, I am generally one of these people that cannot sit still for very long at all. Um, so anything that involves going and doing exciting outdoorsy activities I'm definitely down for so um during the summer my favorite thing to do is go down to Cornwall and spend lots of time um in the beach in the water surfing kayaking etc um and I suppose in the winter I or any other time just anything that gets me outdoors and moving so walks um I don't know around Loughborough we have like trampoline parks and rock climbing walls and stuff and all of that kind of outdoorsy activities um it's kind of what I like to do um and then I like to bake as well which is quite a big theme on my Instagram and amongst all of my friends at uni they all love it that, that doesn't so, help your uh, weight cut for a uh, powerlifting meet there does it no it doesn't but do you know what weight cutting does make you a bit of a feeder so I would love to like, make brownies and take it to the gym and be like here you all eat the brownies that I want to be eating but I can't um which is a bit twisted, actually, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite twisted. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I'd want to do it either. Although, I am still, I am one of these people when I'm deep in diet diet territory that I will browse Instagram for food and mm. treats and that sort of stuff, even though I know I can't have it or obviously have to restrict a lot of it. And I don't think it's like a really good thing, if I'm honest. But no, it's too much food focus, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah. even though we know it's not a good thing for us, it's like a human instinct to seek out food, even if it's on your phone screen. Yeah, and like not, and it's not even like I'm going through picking out things. Oh, I'm going to have this when when the diet's over. I'm going to have this. It's not even that. I just genuinely like seeing stuff. Like you know, mm. I am I'm a bit of a more so than I should be a bit of a junk food addict, or I like like random stuff. And like when you like you say because you're in a diet diet territory and you are that food focus, it's just I don't know, just get off on it a little bit. As yeah. crazy as that sounds. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Obviously, you just like to get more um, hands on with it in terms of the actual baking and stuff, don't you? Yeah, I find it quite um, relaxing. So, like, my, one of my favorite things to do is either stick on a podcast or stick on some music um, and just bake. So, something that takes a bit more than just chucking things in the bowl. Um, and then I generally end up eating most of the cake mixture when I'm not in a dieting phase as well. So, it's a great time. And then everyone, everyone else benefits. Must. Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello. No. Hello. 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 Sorry, you froze. For, you froze for a minute then. Yeah, you froze um, too. You got. I got to the point where you said everyone benefits. Yeah, everyone benefits from me baking. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a good way to make friends as well. Obviously, a good way yeah. to be very popular, especially especially mm -hmm. I imagine in a powerlifting um environment 
I imagine a lot of those guys, especially, and the girls as well, without being sexist, the last episode was sexist enough about being sexist on this episode. <laughs> without being uh, sexist, yeah, I guess the guys probably like cake a lot in the powerlifting realms. Yep, this is very, very true. Because let's be honest, like most powerlifting guys are not small guys. Yeah, no, yeah, everyone likes it when I bring in food <laughs> into yeah. the gym. Yeah, I bet. No, it's great. It's um, a lot more, um, I don't know, interesting than if you were to take it into like a bodybuilding gym or something. Yeah. Cause know, there's, there's always sweets in the gym. It's great. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about what your, uh, how, or how you're currently treating your nutrition. Um, I suppose outside of, you know, what you led up to in the powerlifting stuff. So how, how are you currently treating your nutrition? So talk us through your overarching goal and then kind of like, I don't know, describe a day, describe your typical day. Okay. So, um, I suppose my overarching goal at the moment, um, after I finished my competition, I, um, went out for a meal that night, didn't track calories and macros or anything. Um, and woke up the next day considerably lighter than I did before, which was kind of strange. And my weight actually dropped quite a bit after my competition whether that was because I was just stressing out so much about making weight that I was holding on to water, um, or God knows, but it did, it dropped. Um, so I took a week off after I went away on holiday with a friend, we ate lots of nice food there, came back and I was still below my competition weight. So I took um, kind of my calories at like a expected maintenance for that body weight, um, considering I just dieted most of the summer, um, and kind of like spent the last well four or five weeks like reversing my calories back up um, and that worked quite nicely and my weight is still in the 57s somewhere um, and as of this week actually I've decided that um, so prior to prepping for this meet um, I was eating pretty intuitively because I eat fairly similarly similarly every day um, I obviously still think about what I'm doing in terms of making sure I get enough protein, making sure I have my carbs around my training, um, making sure I drink enough water um, and those kind of things. But I found that for me, it was just a little bit less stressful than having to weigh things and track things, even though I know um, and I can do it. It just seemed like I was in a good, like I can be in a good place where I can maintain my weight pretty nicely by just eating intuitively and naturally hungry or something. And yeah, I stick to fairly similar foods, so I probably am around about the same ballpark of calories, but it just means that I don't have to think about it on a daily basis. And it also means that I can kind of go out and enjoy like eating out at a restaurant without thinking about it too much. Uh, and I suppose the overarching goal for the next six months is to fill out the 63 kilo category. So just try and eat in a small surplus yeah. um, and get a bit closer to 60 kilos. So, so that's obviously about six kilos. So about, what's that? That's about 14 pounds nearly, so nearly, nearly a stone. Yeah, I'm probably sitting at around about 58 at the moment. Um, and the shorter term goal is to get to 60, sit there because as much as I want to fill out my weight category, I also want to be comfortable in my own body while I do it. Um, and I have got time, so it's not like I need to put on all this weight really quickly. Nice. Um, so probably the intermediate goal would be to get to around about 60, see how I feel, um, and then decide whether I'm going to push it up a bit more. Yeah, yeah. See how my 
goes and stuff. Well, I guess from a, a powerlifting perspective, obviously you want the majority of that to be as much muscle as possible, and yeah. and also from a body composition and like you say, com- comfortability um, and confidence in your own body kind of uh, scenario as well. But because there's only so much muscle, you know, you're going to be able to put on. So I guess obviously taking it slow seals or taking it slow is probably the wrong phrase, but doing it in a manner that isn't just balls to the wall, just go out and just fill up that weight category as you say is probably going to be a safer or better route than because a lot of people might just think fuck it i'm just going to now go out and eat for the next six months and put on those five six kilos um and it, it probably is not going to be optimal for them to do that because we know that the majority of it is going to then end up probably being body fat because you overshoot it and, and that type of stuff and it, it can be quite easy to get into that mentality of just eating all the food you know doing a bit of a dirty bulk yeah it's then quite hard to get out yeah, absolutely. That's um, yeah. So the idea is is slow because I do I am conscious that I want to still feel good about myself as well as everything else. So yeah, no, that is the kind of the long term goal. And for me, doing it in a more intuitive um, manner makes um, sense. And for me, helps me keep a probably better relationship with food as well. Um, so as not to get like bogged down in numbers and like my scale weight and stuff all of the time yeah, yeah, yeah there's a time and a place for it for sure um and i've tracked for so many years now that i do know around about what i'm eating um and it's not like i'm just like stabbing in the dark and eating random amounts every day like i am probably no, around no. about the right ballpark yeah sure, yeah. sure. No. That, that's almost like for me the mastery of flexible dieting i think most people need to go through same most people need I think it's useful for most people to go through so rather than not talking absolutes it's useful for most people to go through like a stage of learning what macros are um, learn how to track them properly uh, all that type of stuff and then eventually the mastery bit is to get to a point where you no longer need to track but you just carry on those behaviours because yeah. you kind of because once you've got the education you're kind of tracking in your head anyway um, yeah. I mean don't get me wrong there's some people that are happily and I'm probably one of them to be honest although I do question myself sometimes but I'm probably one of them that probably is happy to track like probably like forever. Um, yeah. But I do sometimes I question myself and try and like evaluate myself. Think, am I am I saying that because actually I'm scared that if I don't, I'll just get fat. And there is an element of me think that might be a little bit to that. But then on the flip side is like I go day I go lots of days now where I don't track like for most of the day, and I'm always which hopefully or for the reason you've just said in terms of like behaviours and habits always the fucking same so actually i don't need yeah. to track because like i end up knowing full well that even if i haven't tracked for, until 5 p.m at night I, I i know what i've eaten because i've kind of thought it out as i've gone through and just having that normal meals so yeah yeah no i think it's it is definitely um a skill because i know that i when i first started so i probably started trying a more intuitive approach at the beginning of the year. I actually worked with, um, do you follow Amelia Thompson on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I worked with her for a few months and she really like helped me um, like with my mindset around it and building like good habits so yeah. that I could eat more she, intuitively. She 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 had a, an eating disorder herself, didn't she? And I'm sure like that's one of her specialties really in terms of show prep and kind of focusing on relationships with food rather than kind of your usual show prep type of diet. Yeah. So like prior to it, I didn't really think I had a bad relationship with food, but it wasn't until she kind of helped, um, I don't know, me be a little bit more mindful about how I was eating and also encouraged me to go out and kind of like, uh, I don't know, go out and 
like order dessert with my friends or something or like drink alcohol every now and again in fact it wasn't actually gonna affect my weight in the long term like just enjoying food and like kind of embracing like the food like I am quite foodie I love food I love trying new things and like embracing that side of my personality rather than like stressing about tracking or like what it was going to do to my weight and stuff and I think working with her honestly was one of like the biggest helps to shift my mindset Mm -hmm. um so obviously going back to trying to eat more intuitively I'm going to be tapping back into everything that I kind of learned with her yeah yeah I, I think it's important that you've gone through all that first though because I think like it when people talk about intuitive eating like I used to I used to be so anti-intuitive eating and so pro-flexible dieting in its guise of tracking macros just because I used to think people just don't have any good appetite regulation, hence we have an obesity epidemic. And I still kind of think that is that is true. Um, but my answer to that was ignore your natural appetite regulation and live to numbers. Now I think actually, no, that's really short-sighted. And although that can be really useful as a tool for learning, that's not the end goal. The end goal should be all the things you've just said and get into a point where you can eat intuitively based on the knowledge that you've learned. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Just because just otherwise, if you, if you eat intuitively, most people probably still overeat. Yeah. Like, go on. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, either overeat or undereat because I have a, like, a good few um, friends, particularly powerlifters, that struggle to eat enough, um, which is like almost backwards to most people, obviously with an obesity epidemic. Yeah. Um, but like some people struggle to eat enough as well as like overeating. I think mm. it just, yeah, definitely yeah. depends. Yeah, it's, it's just because I think, like certainly when you start bringing into things like junk food, hyperpalatable stuff, because of what it does to our kind of natural mechanisms of, of eating, like it's just so hard to eat intuitively because we don't eat just purely for weight maintenance or hunger. Kind of, we then start getting hedonic eating of pleasure and, um, you know, that kind of stuff that Guillaume talks about in his book around um, ancestral will to eat or, or want to eat for survival, which then gets kind of messed up when we go after too many hyperpalatable stuff. Once you start to play, it kind of throws intuitive eating out the window. So you still need that level of restriction or knowledge, sorry, or knowledge to restrict when needed, to override some of those natural hunger signals. Because otherwise, like I say I just, I just don't think many people can can eat intuitively very well. Yeah, I mean, things that I do in my diet that probably like stop me overeating is most of my food is pretty like it's pretty much whole foods. I my main meals are on like a shitload of spinach and salad and stuff like I have veg with everything I have a protein source with pretty much everything I don't generally eat like cakes or donuts on the like regular basis mm. so most of my diet is like whole foods so I probably like all of those habitual things keep me in energy balance right like if I were to just eat completely like my dream day yeah probably wouldn't align up with no no 100 percent. yeah and I, I don't think well yours probably wouldn't either no no I, like, like I, I like what you say i like what you said about the reason or the things you do stops you overeating because obviously they're the things that we encourage behaviors in clients obviously that we all do ourselves because i'm exactly the same um i think they're quite useful for people to hear so they can try and do something similar because like i'm the same like i will 
try and do all the things in terms of my day-to-day meals tend to be pretty bland mm-hmm. like, like you just said they tend to be very whole food based not particularly not, not not bland as in like boring but just not particularly really tasty you know we've talked about another podcast they're not like really hyper palatable they're, they're nice and enjoyable but not something that makes me really want to overeat when i do then have stuff that are really hyper palatable so i know there's two things i do one is i save most of it i save it for the evening because if I have it in the evening, I have very little time left the rest of the day before I go to sleep. And therefore, yeah. even if I do eat something and think I really want more of that, which does quite regularly happen, I just know kind of got just a little bit of discipline or willpower for a little while and I'm either forgotten about it or I go to sleep. And then therefore it's yeah. the next day and it doesn't matter because again, I've forgotten about it. So that's kind of one tactic. And I think that works a lot with clients where you know you tell people to save calories for the evening for a treat food they like and that gives them something to look forward to all day. So and then most people can then tough it out knowing they've got something nice to be to kind of have in the evening um and then when they do have something nice if they do then think i really want more which a lot of people do can't say one bite of chocolate you know you gotta eat the whole bar um but do want one more it's then not that difficult to tough it out for that small period before you go to sleep so that's kind of one tactic i think is really useful and the other thing is i suppose like if i do happen to have something nice say nice hyper powerful during the day um i do just li- I, I do sometimes just have to use my will- the willpower part knowing full well mm-hmm. that the the craving that i'm now having to have more of that stuff will pass in a, in a small amount of time um or i just have to suck it up because otherwise i do just overeat so if i didn't if i just ate to what i wanted rather than having that kind of discipline or willpower or that knowledge of calorie density because that's what drives me to think i better not have any more um mm-hmm. yeah i'd 100 overeat yeah i think i definitely prefer to eat like if i'm gonna have the same shoe a sweet treat or something nice in the evening as much um just to the fact that in the evening I'm like sitting down I'm chilling out I'm relaxing I can like properly enjoy my food whereas if I'm eating it like lunchtime I'm likely to be like rushing off to the gym or like rushing off to lectures and it kind of like you can almost get to dinner time and go oh I'm hungry and forget that you'd eaten I don't know like a a big like I don't know burger and chips or something at lunch like just because you're not like you almost forget about it whereas if you do it in the evening it's like you say you're going to bed in a few hours so you do just kind of like tough it out yeah it's it's a bit like the marshmallow but yeah i do still have like... no you go on come on. you go there you go I, I was just marshmallows. yeah i was just gonna say it's a bit like the marshmallow experiment where obviously they gave kids marshmallows to so we've talked i've said i've mentioned this on the podcast before but obviously for people that haven't listened to those episodes so they gave people marshmallow or kids marshmallows and said they can get they can have another marshmallow if they don't eat this one for 50 minutes we'll come out and give you a second one and obviously they were testing the kind of like this um delayed gratification response in some people and whether they will delay it or not and they they did show that the kids that were delayed in terms of not eating the marshmallow they were not only happier but then ended up being when they followed up the study more successful in life on, mm-hmm. on by, on, by uh, as a mean or as an average so um I, and i was i was going to relate that back to this type of scenario we just talked about in terms of saving treats because like you just said i'm the same i absolutely enjoy those types of treat foods more in the evenings when i've not worked for it but i've delayed it i've waited and disciplined and then had it in the evening when i know i can have it like sometimes i'll have tea like at half seven eight o'clock say um have my dinner and then Jenna will get some chocolate out and she'll eat some chocolate and like with a cup of tea and I'll be like I'll have a cup of tea but I won't have my treat air quotes then I'll wait and I because I just think it's almost like that discipline is is kind of making me enjoy it more when I then do have it at say half nine it's funny isn't yeah. it 
I always I always wait between dinner and the last time I eat before I go to bed as well. But mine's mainly because I like eating literally just before I go to bed. Same. Because otherwise I'll lie in bed and I'll be hungry. Yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> I can't eat when I'm hungry, yeah. so I, I will eat right before I go to bed. Right, we've gone on, a, I think, some really useful stuff there in terms of conversation, but we have gone on a tangent. So, yeah, um... they have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it, though, because I think it's really useful for people to hear some of those tips, actually, because... Um... Obviously, not only people have known about you, but obviously you're giving out some good value. So let's talk about training then. So you touched on it a little bit, but so post-show, so obviously you've done your show, a uh, show, post-meet, you've obviously done that. What's your training now like in terms of, so let's say leading up to, when did you say the next meet might be? Um, so I will probably max my lifts out at Christmas time, but then my next meet will be um, uh, Easter. Okay. Easter. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I'm assuming you're just working back from Christmas and periodizing something. Um, how does that look? So, what, what does it look like in terms of kind of just a general a review? Uh, yeah. So, I have um, one of the coaches at Loughborough do my programming for me. Um, so, it's a lot more brutal than anything I would ever program myself. Um, it's in what, at the in, moment. Sorry, in, what, in what way? Uh, so. At, at the moment, you know, I suppose, quote-unquote, off-season work. So there's a lot of volume in there, mm. um, a lot of sets, slightly higher reps. Um, and at the moment, the program is six days a week. So to most people, that sounds like absolutely nuts, training six days a week. Um, but I suppose it's only a few exercises per session. So it's almost like you've taken – probably you could fit the volume into, like, four very long sessions a week but it's like split over six days mm -hmm. so that you can just take your time a little bit more working up to your sets warming up mobilizing um and having enough recovery time between sets as well so my sessions on average at the moment are taking my upper body days will take maybe an hour and a half and my lower body days can take up to two and a half to three hours mm -hmm. um only doing like a couple of exercises but quite a few sets of them um and yeah, I've still got some heavy work in there. So I've still got some singles and doubles, but they're all kind of sub-max mm -hmm. at the moment. But the cool thing about it is it's all based on RPE. So for people that don't know, it's like reps in reserve. So an RPE 10 is where you're at your absolute max. If you do an RPE 9, then you've got one rep in reserve. RPE 8, you've got two reps in reserve and so on. Um, so because it's all based on RPE, some of my sets that are now sub-max are actually pretty close to my maximal weights, but because I've got stronger as a whole, although I haven't tested my maximal strength, I am able to do kind of, um, for example, the other day I did two reps at my competition max. So it's kind of a really good, with reps in reserve, with two reps in reserve. So it's a really good indicator that as a whole, I'm getting stronger, um, even though I'm not kind of maxing out my lifts every week. Yeah. So um, they're just like, small indicators that I am progressing. Yeah, yeah, so you're basically taking kind of like your um, previous higher intensities that you've been doing and rating them for how much perceived exertion you've got, yeah? So, yeah. And yeah. obviously what you're, what you're seeing is that the kind of like how much effort you're putting in is coming down compared to what it was previously. Yeah, so heavy weights are getting easier. Yeah. In layman's terms. Which is a, which is, yeah. a, so which is a damn fine thing when you then come to pushed way up even heavier because obviously you should have more capacity to lift more yeah so hopefully in a few weeks time i might be hitting well i already am hitting some pbs but i might be hitting some kind of more pbs um 
but I have just done five weeks of pretty much boring volume work to get myself stronger yeah. and now kind of being expressed a little bit more yeah. as the program progresses. Obviously, I guess like some of the PBs you've been doing is probably double the weight of Matt squat. So, <laughs> what is it, Matt squat? <laughs> don't know, forty kilos, something like that. So, travel maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think Matt, Matt never makes a squat. By the time he gets in the gym, warms up, he's out again. <laughs> Although he told me during the week he blamed it on the tumor. He said I had a tumor. That's what it was. I had a tumor. Uh, yeah. So that way, six minutes in the gym, thought I'm going home. <laughs> Dear, I'm but, sure. I'm sure he'll get back. Yeah, he will. The motivation to outsport me. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, you're probably heavy. No, actually, I don't think you are heavy. I think actually he's he's probably about the eighty kilo mark actually. So uh, which is heavier than me. But then I'm just I'm just tall and lanky. So yeah. yeah. You've still um, got a few kilos. On me. Still got at least twenty kilos on me. Yeah, yeah. How much you? So you're fifty eight. You just said, didn't you? Yeah, fifty eight. Yeah. So what? I don't know what I am in kilos. So one hundred and seventy. I was one hundred seventy three pounds ish this morning. What's that? about 70 yeah probably it's probably about yeah probably about 15 kilos on you i think off the top of my head and you can probably still squat more no nah, jokes jokes i'm not no, accepting I'm, 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 I'm not accepting that <laughs> um well to be fair your wilt score is definitely better than mine and obviously that's what matters so. <laughs> um okay so what's kind of like your your so your future goal uh that you've already talked about is obviously to go up to the 62 kilo class um, 63, but... 63 sorry no, I, 63 um, what what else is there kind of further ahead then so what's kind of like your future goal as an athlete um, so I suppose um, long term goals are the competition I've been talking about in at Easter time is the big university competition so it's like all of the universities in the country um, and my goal for Loughborough um, as kind of like head of powerlifting, so as speaking for the whole team, but myself included in that team, um, is to win. Mm -hmm. So we won um, men and women combined last year. Um, and it will qualify us for the World University Powerlifting Championships, which last year were, oh gosh, I can't remember, um, in another country somewhere. So, somewhere I, I was going to say somewhere fancy, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think it was that fancy fancy but it was definitely hot I remember seeing people there and it looked a lot nicer than where we were in England so mm. the idea is to qualify the team and send a team to world um world university um championships which would be super cool um and like a big achievement for the club um and kind of like my goal for the year is to get us all so myself included hopefully mm -hmm. um to that point where we can compete on a world level do, do, you, really cool. do you think you'll always do powerlifting or do you think you'll ever branch out into either bodybuilding because obviously that often happens um or mm -hmm. maybe into another i mean i know obviously you used to like cardio or more cardio sort of running cycling stuff so do you ever go back to kind of doing more of that sort of stuff or i don't think i will ever um branch out into bodybuilding in fact i'm pretty sure i won't just because i have no aspirations to get super shredded and stand on stage and be judged and the prep to be honest doesn't sound I don't think I'll ever be in a position in my life where I want to make that many sacrifices mm. um, in order to achieve something that I'm not particularly passionate about achieving yeah. so I don't think I'll ever branch bodybuilding um gosh if anyone that I know 
that knows me as a powerlifter listens to this, they'll absolutely kill me. Um, <laughs> but I can see myself when I have a more intensive job, potentially, which means I have less time, so I can't be spending three hours in the gym. I can see myself going back to either a little bit of CrossFit, because I kind of miss the Olympic lifting, and I do miss being cardiovascularly fitter. Um, or I, one of my bucket list things to do in my life is to run a marathon. Um, so I've run a half marathon before, and I've obviously done lots of like long-distance running and long-distance cycling. Mm. Um, and it is something that I did really enjoy. So I can see myself kind of going back to something a little bit more endurance-y and cardio-y. Um, but definitely not for this year because primary focus is powerlifting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, potentially in the future, they are all on my bucket list. The, um, the, the bodybuilding thing is, in, is interesting to me because, obviously, that's kind of a lot more my scene and what i'm into i i have no interest on standing on stage and being judged as you put it um which is ironic given that's kind of the whole point of bodybuilding um i think i will do it at some point purely for the process genuinely like as cheesy or as like oh that's so that's, that's so cliche, it's absolutely true in my case because I I know full well I've got no chance of doing any 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 type of you know I'm not going to win basically I'm not going to win a show, um, yeah. like genetics I've got two long limbs, insertions are shit, I just I don't hold enough muscle mass so it's kind of like, like I'm never going to win a fucking show, but. Yeah. I would I would love to go through it just to see how far I can push myself. And I suppose that's like I I had this conversation today with a guy actually a guy that um uh, I used to play football with, and because uh, we met for lunch and he was telling me about how he last year he's got into the gym and he was suffering for a, a sort of uh, easy way to describe it, probably just some some mental illnesses and he said how exercise just made his mindset change so much and we were talking about stuff um about kind of like oh what are you into what are you doing things and I said like. Um. Oh well, obviously you know I've got my own gym at home and I train, and we were talking about things like that. And I just said, look, I I'm one of these people where, and this isn't for everyone, but a, a home gym suits me perfectly because I'm so self motivated. Like I just ha I I I just got all this discipline that I've built up over many years of habits and behaviour change and stuff, where I can get out of bed at five o'clock in the morning when I'm absolutely knackered. The last it's freezing cold this time of year, and the last one I do is go out and basically go into a freezing cold gym where I can't even touch the metal it's so cold like I have to wear fucking gloves which I keep getting a lot of shit from thank you Dan Mac um, but literally genuinely I can't touch the metal it's that cold it's like burning my hands so yeah I've been in in the morning where it's been the same it's yeah horrible. I'm like oh Jesus so but I, I do it because I really enjoy the process and I think like that's that's kind of like inside me that I would love to do something like a bodybuilding show to um, kind of see how far I can push things like we did a photo shoot I've done a couple of those now and kind of like lean but not like crazy lean um like i easily think i could push another 15 pounds off off of how lean i got there and that's probably where i'd like to see how far i can get it so it'll happen one day for me but anyway this isn't about me i don't know why these shows keep talking i know like the last time the two i think i had to stop saying hang on why am i talking about myself so self-centered <laughs> no it's, it's really interesting because i'm like uh, like i always wanted I always thought I would want to do it just for the process just because I feel like I've studied a lot about it I know a lot about it I feel like I would be in a good position to prep someone else and um, I almost feel like I should do it um but honestly for me at the moment with how my life is I can't see 
I've been the person that has been super, super lean and it, I was cold. Like obviously I had other issues with food, but I was cold and I was miserable and I didn't have much of a life or um, mm. like relationships with anyone. So I'm now in a point where like I am so much happier and more confident um, and just don't ever see myself wanting to go back to that. I know it would be in a different scenario, but yeah, yeah I'd, still, I was, I was... I'd still be hungry. You still have to sacrifice relationships and social occasions and stuff, and I just can't see myself ever wanting to yeah. do that again. I was going to say that though that it is a you are in a whole different place, so I do think you would have a completely different um, time with it compared to you know kind of what you're now comparing it to. Um, yeah. You'd obviously deal with it in a completely different manner. So. But I think regardless, when you are that lean, like stage lean, you are hungry, you are tired, oh, you no. are. Absolutely. There are yeah, I, I think it, the, when you when you're in the when you're in that environment though, when your motivation there is is different than the motivation you had previously, obviously you kind of like you yeah. say with obviously issues with food and stuff. Um, it's when when your motivation is for the re is not something to do with either like food focus, anxiety, not uh, food focus. You wrong term probably, but obviously if it isn't to do with food relationships and stuff and all the anxiety that comes with obviously like. EDs and those types of things and it's more to do with the pride or you know like the process and stuff about the actual sport yeah I, I think you deal with all of those things you talked about in a very different manner and all of a sudden they're not they're not they don't affect you the same but yeah it's I just can being motivated oh, by no, no no I'm not trying to convince you yeah I'm not trying no, to convince no, you no, I know it's, you it's, will, it's but... a different mindset it's a different I can't ever imagine myself being motivated to do it yeah it's 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 a it's a really positive thing or the best thing that you're doing that in that you're because i guess a lot of people probably compete or try to compete and try to prep when they probably shouldn't and that either ends up failing and just going completely wrong because they just weren't in the right frame of mind to do so but they thought it's the right thing to do or you get people do it nowadays because they think they should because they're yeah. they are a coach industry and they think oh, i've got to do it that's what all coaches do or which is bullshit because obviously you know all the things you said it's so hard to get past a certain level of leanness um, like even in the photo shoot lean, albeit this time around compared to my first time around was much better. There was still some time towards the last four or five weeks where I remember traveling uh, for work two or three days a week for the four, maybe five weeks leading up to the photo shoot. So where I, so I was eating out like three times a day um, for like three days of the week leading up, which obviously isn't easy when you're on very low calories. And I remember, and obviously, so I was having to like save and scrimp in every place I can to allow for what was always going to be higher calorie like meals and not the best choices and I mean, there were times where I thought this is fucking horrible like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm having to fit in cardio which I never do cardio at certain times to try and offset some of the um worry not worry I was having that's probably where but obviously in my head I was thinking I've probably overeaten at some point because I've not been able to track properly because I'm eating in restaurants so it's pro I've probably yeah. uh, like unknowingly underestimated so kind of wanted to cover my ass a little bit and do a bit more cardio here and there and yeah, there were some horrible times. You just feel tired, fatigued, don't want to do this, and like, and that's only at like like a very medium end of dieting. You know, it's not even anywhere near the end of bodybuilding stage stuff. So, like, people that then choose to do it for the wrong reasons, they're just gonna fuck it up and fail bad. Yeah. Um. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. But we love a tangent. How did how did you get into the fitness industry? I, I'm sure, obviously, you talked about it on the previous podcast, but just remind us, remind us all. Gosh, so, 
into the fitness industry. I suppose I got into fitness. I've always been into fitness my whole life. I've always played team sports. I've always cycled and run, um, etc. Um, but I suppose when I came to university, I was actually studying uh, geography and sports science. And after my first year of geography and sports science, I realized that I really, really hated geography and really, really loved sports science. Um, so for my second year, I um, swapped on to just a straight sports science course. And in my first year, um, kind of like really enjoying all the sports science stuff, I got into listening to lots of podcasts and I was lucky enough um, to come across kind of some of the people that put out better information in the industry. So people like Martin McDonald. Um, I did also listen to some people that I now know were less knowledgeable. Um, but listening to people like Martin really got me interested. I spent like my first years at uni, I wasn't a typical student. Like I was, um, I didn't go out as much as most students and I was quite like, um, I suppose introverted. So I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts, uh, reading articles, uh, reading papers, um, and basically just being a geek. Um, and then in my second year, I got the opportunity to take my placement at Mac Nutrition, which I did for my third year, so my placement year. Um, and I suppose the rest was kind of like history from there. So I just found a passion for nutrition, um, did my placement with Mac Nutrition, obviously came out the other side of that, met you guys, fell into online coaching, and then most recently became a no-nonsense nutrition coach. So I suppose that's like a very, very short version. <laughs> No, so uh, you obviously, I think, probably had quite a good routine compared to a lot of people. Then, by the sounds of it, yes, I was lucky to come across um, quote unquote good people in the industry. Yeah. Um, slightly earlier on, and obviously, being um, doing an academic course like sports science, everything was um, like scientifically backed. It was kind of like um, I think the course here at Loughborough is relatively good at um kind of getting rid of bullshit out of the industry mm. quite quickly yeah um yeah. and being from the science background you do tend to read papers and learn how to pick out the like methodological flaws and stuff from studies so you can kind of um draw your own conclusions on the data rather than just listening to like the daily mail headlines yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I, th I think a lot of people when they get in the industry, which is this is probably more the norm, really. You're probably more of an outlier being able to go through to obviously the good people, as we put it earlier on. Um, most people go through just all of the shit first before they get to a point where they finally stumble across someone who's like evidence based um, in in the correct way evidence based should be. Um, mm -hmm. And then you could that once you kind of stumble across a few people, I tend to find you then just come far better at being critical, critically minded. Um, and you can decide mm -hmm. for your own stuff, can't you? Um, and it just yeah. makes you better at like weaning out the people you should speak to and all the people you should listen to and the people you shouldn't. So, but it's all a learning curve. We also have to go through it. So, yeah. Exactly. What's um What's the biggest? So going going into kind of like your coaching stuff now. But what's like the uh -huh. biggest thing you see wrong with clients when they first come to you? What's like the biggest mistake you think they're they're making or what's stopping them achieve their goal? So I tend to, um, the clients I tend to work with tend to be people that were um, like or are slightly more like I was in a past life. So potentially um, more obsessive with numbers and more obsessive with scale weight. Um, so thinking about this, it's, all, it's probably not the same as the answer that most of the other coaches have given. Um, but the 
problem I see most often is actually people worrying way, way, way too much about the minutiae. So, yeah, sort of how many grams of carbs they're eating or um, like what they should be having like within half an hour of their workout or um, I don't know, like is eating like a cake bad for you sort of thing um, and kind of failing to see the slightly bigger picture, which is more to do with energy balance and kind of your averages over a week or your averages over a month or the fact that actually there's no such thing as like a good food or a bad food and there's obviously foods that you're going to feel better on um but that it's not just about kind of making your nutrition perfectly optimal it is also about enjoying food experiencing um times with your family um and not stressing about the minutiae when actually for most people's goals it doesn't matter at all Mm. matters a lot less than people think yeah it's like Pareto's theory of like 20 percent of what you do gets like 80 percent of your results yeah so like don't focus and obviously the 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 the, the other 20 percent of the results you get are like all of the minutiae things that you focus on that like you spend up spend 80 percent of your time on worrying about all these little things where you shouldn't do you should just focus on the big blocks and just get the basics done because that will get you like 80 percent of what of your results like eight, mm-hmm. or in reality probably more than 80 percent really in nutrition um yeah yeah definitely like 90 95 yeah probably probably is like 95 plus let's be honest like i said if, yeah again going back to conversation at lunchtime where i said like like nutrition is so simple um it's not easy but it's simple because obviously they are two different concepts aren't they but yeah. just control energy balance i.e calories and then focus on including good foods so as long as you could hit both those points you just can't go wrong with the rest of it it's like no. all right, outside if you start going about protein or whatever else because obviously you know, you're not eating enough protein. You could say, obviously, that's not as far from optimal, but uh, it's literally that simple. Control calories and just focus on getting some high quality foods in, and you're pretty much sorted. It's like, yeah, I worry about actually having a coaching job because it's that simple. <laughs> like, genuinely, it's like, yeah, how, how, how do people run a business when there's, that's all you've got to tell people what to do? Yeah, unfortunately, people can't stick to it or a lot of people will find that hard and need the accountability of us which is that's why, that's why I said the concept of simple and easy is not the same thing because that, that's that's why like if you feel um comfortable about kind of talking or i feel comfortable talking in this manner because i'm like well actually i know simple is and i know like anyone can get this stuff for free on the internet in terms of the knowledge it's the applying it and and following through and that's the absolute hard part yeah yeah i am literally I think, I don't know whether you ever find this, but I've become more of like a, almost like a flipping life support coach. Yeah. Like you help clients through so much more than just what to eat yeah. because it all kind of, everyone's like relationships with food and the reason why they need you in the first place just entwines with so many other aspects of life. Yeah, 100%. That, um, yeah, that's what you end up doing. That's, that's like when it gets annoying when other coaches worry about people like stealing content or other coaches worry about people encroaching on them because like hang on a minute if you're if if your coaching relies on a fucking spreadsheet or some of that then you're not doing it right like coaching is far more than just kind of those i don't know systems and stuff is there's just like it they're like five percent of it 95 percent is, yeah. is is what you just said in terms of um building relationships and kind of i was going to use the word manipulate but that's not the right words it sounds very sinister but obviously like coaching people into kind of behavioral change like that's that's where the real gold is in 
in coaching people or you know where they where yeah. people get their real value from yeah agree um so i don't know whether well i was gonna say the next question is obviously what's the one thing you'd like to rid the industry of um something specific but uh, i was going to say your e- your easy route that's probably not a really nice thing to say but your your better route into the industry you've probably seen seen less of it in your in your time so uh i know you obviously i think i've I've heard a fair yeah that's what I was about to say rubbish that goes on in the industry yeah I'm sure but what I, I was trying to think more so than anything specific like for you but in terms of what you did or or believe used to believe in but um I, I suppose what is it then so what what would you like to rid the industry of I was I was I knew this question was coming and I was trying to think about it earlier and I suppose from um from like my the thing that really annoys me at the moment with um kind of social media is um people preaching about i suppose it's gone back onto preaching about the minutia um so i don't know making a lot of fuss about um the smaller the finer details like like we say like uh, i don't know um do, do you mean like the people trying to sell the minutiae as a special? Is that is that kind of what you mean, or? Yeah, yeah, people trying to sell the minutiae, but then also the people that fully believe. I suppose um, I'm thinking more like lots of like um, personal trainers or um, quote unquote fit pros that are saying like kind of like putting all of their clients on meal plans or making all of their clients track their macros or making all of their clients kind of stress unnecessarily over the nutrition and the training side when actually their goal could um, have a lot more of a relaxed approach that actually allows them to have a life as well as kind of meeting their goals. Um, So I don't know whether I explained that very well. but um, I think so. I think so. I mean, I guess like, depends on, I guess there's probably few, yeah, fewer clients that have performance-based goals i suppose or, or no like specific goals where they really need a specific plan and i guess a lot yeah. of people the majority of people probably don't have quite so high reaching or specific goals where they couldn't get away with having something like you you've just said in terms of having a plan that's a bit more relaxed and less worried about the minutiae and the finer details because they would still be able to achieve their goal and have a life and have something a bit more relaxed yeah i mean i get a lot of especially girls I think um I don't know it's being stereotypical but I've had a lot of people come to me and be like oh I've worked with a coach um and they've had me on a meal plan and they've told me I can't eat more than this grams of carbs and I can't have this food and um oh but I can have my cheat meal on a Sunday and I can't have fruit because it's too many carbs and just like utter rubbish that just builds a bad relationship isn't very relevant to the person or the person's goals um and just, I don't know, it just really frustrates me. It's like they've screwed this person's relationship up with food and I don't know, it just mm. very much annoys me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to remember, obviously, you're speaking to a guy sat in a nutrition seminar with someone in his workplace where they told him to not eat jack potatoes because um, they are a high glycemic food which causes blood sugar spikes and insulin rises and therefore mood changes and energy level slumps 
Wow. Followed immediately, and I use that term literally, immediately by saying, but new potatoes are okay. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I know all about those wow. types of dogmatic myths and stuff where you know, it would be nice if people didn't come out with that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's funny. And I'm pretty sure if you asked that person, if you put your hand up and said, okay, can you actually explain, like, um, why you think that having a spike in insulin would, like, explain the mechanisms of insulin. Yeah. They probably wouldn't have a leg to stand on. No. Go, uh, to, be, to be fair, she was a PT, uh, a PT from um, uh, the gym group, as in there's a company, I don't know if you have them around your way, but obviously there's a 24-7 yeah. gym called the gym group. And... Uh, yeah, she just worked for them. So, albeit, like, I don't think she was qualified to talk about it, let's be honest. Well, I know she wasn't, clearly, from the stuff she was saying, but um, it's just the whole bit around, like, the whole critical thinking bit that I, we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can someone say something about jack potatoes and then, but say new potatoes are fine and not think, that doesn't sound quite right. Like, so, yeah. such a lack of critical thinking that it's like, you don't even question that. It's it's actually ridiculous. It's yeah. almost mind blowing that yeah. that that people yeah are that dumb. <laughs> as hard yeah. as that sounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like I say. I don't know if it's just a bit a bit lazy, like I say, or just a bit mindless. Because as I say, it's, you'd think it for me. It just feels like so contradictory to have the, the, those two points around check potato and new potato. Like, why why do someone not put one and one, two and two together and think? Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't quite add up. But anyway, by the by. Um, okay, so where do you see non-ancestral nutrition in five years' time? Hopefully, all of us um, with full client books. That'd be really nice. Mm -hmm. And um, just much more well-known amongst, um, I suppose, the industry, the general population. Um, it would obviously be cool to have like our four-week challenges and stuff running really regularly and full the whole time um, and just getting because I think like I fully believe that we all put out a very very good message and that we all know what we're talking about and we all are very good at getting results with clients so just to have that expand um, and grow hopefully to the point where we're all full and it would be cool if we were like you know full-time <laughs> full-time nutrition coaches yeah able to do work retreats in the flipping there's no Caribbean somewhere. That would be nice. Yeah, that'll happen. That would, let's say, this industry itself, I think, is just consistency. Just keep, mm -hmm. like, the, the people that are what you deem as successful or, um, you know, kind of, like, uh, highly respected in the industry are the people that have been around forever. You know, they're very, yeah. they're, they're a few, don't worry, there are a few kind of young people that are just kind of blown up. Um, but I think most of the people now are just stuff that just consistently over time lasted throughout the, the you know, the whole period. Because, obviously, that's where <clears throat> I think two people give in because it's a hard industry to be in and they give in quite mm -hmm. early and think oh it's not worth it but <coughs> excuse me we'll, we'll be all right who um so yeah who, who's your favorite coach or as i put it to the other guys if you had to kill everyone but leave one person alive who would it be can i really say anyone other than you seeing you as it's just the two I, it, no one else has said me yet so <laughs> it doesn't matter well good you then Brett. oh i think you. you were the one that first contacted me about being a coach with no nonsense so Ah, oh, that makes me feel all warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, the thing is, uh, if it was someone else interviewing, you'd have said them, wouldn't you? Uh, not, that's 
necessarily. <laughs> All right, good. I'll take that. Um, one food you could live on forever, and obviously just don't fall in the same trap as Ed. Notice I said food and not like um, individual item. So as in, you can say burger um, okay. or pizza. He thought I meant like one thing, like broccoli. I don't know. So one so... food, as long, as long as it's like a meal... So you can have like one meal forever, say, or, or whatever you want, or it can be a food. Um, yes. Yeah, whatever. It just can't be heck chicken sausages. Okay, my sweet tooth literally Hold just on. wants me to... One food. Don't do what Paul one... did and start listing off loads of foods. Just uh -oh. one. I was going to say my sweet tooth wants me to say ice cream, but that's so unrealistic because I would probably get sick of it very quickly. Um, well, we'll have to go for pizza then because you can put anything pizza. on a pizza, can't you? Yeah, yeah. You can have a meal on a pizza. Well, technically, you can have a sweet pizza. I've got one in the freezer, actually. I've got an apple crumble pizza in the freezer. Ooh, sounds nice. Yeah, obviously, I've not eaten it. It's still in the freezer, so I don't know what it's like. But I had a chocolate... Let us know how... you know, well, I will. Well, I'll let you know when I had it. It's been in there probably... I'm not even going to joke. Probably been in there a year. So I don't know what it'd be like now after a year. It's frozen. Well, how bad can it really be? Jesus. Not been sitting yeah. in the fridge for a year, is it? Uh, I've had a brownie one. Same brand. Mm -hmm. I think it's a Goodfellas. Other pizzas are oh, available. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good fellas brand. So uh, yeah, chocolate brownie one was all right. That wasn't bad. So mm -hmm. yeah, I imagine you probably make your own like sweet pizzas if you really want one better than the frozen ones. But then like, you could say the same about any pizza, couldn't you? But you can you could do a lot of pizza. You can make it healthy. Mm -hmm. You can wrap with eat lean cheese. Throwing a little plug in there. Eat lean tasty um, cheese. Have you opened it yet? Yeah. Uh, no, my delivery got delayed, so it's coming tomorrow. So uh, I'm really excited. Wait. Gonna have dinner tomorrow. Genuinely, right? And I know people are going to think we're biased because obviously we are associated with them. Um, other cheeses are available. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I even say that. Like it's even, like, it's just, it's just funny. Um, genuinely, it's absolutely stellar. It's fantastic. Uh, the, 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 the macros aren't brilliant. Let's be honest. They are way better than probably you like your at your normal cheddar. Um, for anyone yeah. listening, obviously you know this already. But um. I, I, what was it 270 odd calories for 33 grams of protein and i think compared to like your normal cheese it's a lot lower in calories it's like 35 40 percent lower in calories or something um i think i compared it didn't i to a reduced fat cheese from tesco say and it was about basically pretty much the same nutritional content give or take a, yeah. a, a few small numbers but taste wise well Good. well over and above fantastic yeah i i like i likened it to like a, a cornish cruncher if you ever had like Ooh. a like a very creamy, rich, mature Cornish cruncher, that's what I likened it to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they are oh, not. Yeah, it's not this one of the past. Uh, Park. Um, the only problem is, as you'll have seen, my it, my delivery exploded. One of the shakers in there has gone absolutely everywhere. It's exploded on yeah. transit. <laughs> so, I love the shakers as well. They're probably one of my favourite products. I have them on absolutely everything. Yeah. I love them. They're very versatile. So tasty. Yeah, very versatile. They can literally go like salads, pastas, shepherd's pies, mm. um, literally anything. Do you know what I had for tea tonight, actually? I had a chicken breast because Jen, mm. Jen obviously was on a late, uh, so said she had pizza at work, so um, I didn't want anything to eat, so I just made some here. I had a chicken breast with some stir-fried vegetables mixed with some pasta and a little bit of chipotle, like... Uh, it's like a little jar of chipotle stuff, like concentrated stuff. Um, yeah. And on the chicken, which is the point I'm getting to, I put two massive tablespoons of spreadable on it. 
And I will say it's fantastic. Just just thought that just kind of slightly melted on the chicken. They just made a nice cheesy yeah. chicken. Ooh, that sounds really yeah. good actually. Yeah. I had spaghetti maize with cheese grated on top. Yeah. Both the both the grated cheese and the parmesan sprinkles stuff. Yeah. Bang it. Very nice. It's, it's turned into an eat lean fest this, this podcast now. Um Yeah. Anyway, everyone listening, I'm gonna get them to sponsor the podcast now. Like there's two ambassadors, they've got two, haven't they, really? Yeah. We can maybe see if we can get them to do a giveaway or something to to people. That would be cool. Um, last question then. So, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? That's safe for oh, your podcast material. I knew this was coming, and I didn't even think about it. Oh God, I really don't think I've done anything too crazy in my life, which is really, really boring. Um, <laughs> what did everyone ask? I can't remember. Um, well, uh, both Paul and Johnny's had to be censored because both of them weren't really safe to be recorded. Um, Ed is ah. just so vanilla that I don't know. He was probably like eat, a, I don't know, an <laughs> apple pie or something. I don't know. So. Ah, easiest. Mm. I I've done lots of like. Um... When I was slightly younger, me and my dad used to go cliff jumping quite a lot in Cornwall. That was quite like quite, an adrenaline rush stuff. That's quite crazy. That was quite crazy. Yeah. Cliff jumping is dangerous. Yeah, I know. Now, thinking about it now, I know that. And I know that people have like... Died? Died. Yeah. That, yeah. Same areas as we went. So I suppose that's crazy-ish. Yeah, it's quite crazy. Okay, cool. I'll take that. It's probably, probably more... Cra- oh, um... Yeah, I must have done something crazier, but not that i can think of okay didn't actually did a seven day after my a levels yeah after my a levels did a seven day girls holiday um and we basically just drank for seven days straight that was pretty crazy as well and i wouldn't be able to cope with that again ever but it's like one to take off the bucket list cool cool good yeah nothing too crazy well well, you know we can't we can't all be paolo that guy's <laughs> that guy's got some crazy stories. So um, he's got years on me, though. Yeah, quite a few decades. Yeah. Let's be honest, quite a few decades because he is an old man. <laughs> cool. I have very much enjoyed getting to know you again, Francesca. Or Thank to know, you. Getting to know you more. Um, it's been, it actually seems ages since I've seen you in person because I suppose it has been ages, but. Yeah, it has been a little while. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? This this whole podcast and um, online coaching malarkey. Mm. Very strange sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, we keep saying we need to organise something, as in our next get-together, but uh, who knows yeah, what that be. I mean, you guys can all come to Loughborough if you want and train in the gym. That would be fun. It's a long way to go just to train the gym. I'm sure we'll do a bit more. It is. We can go to... Yeah. What's, what's the um, Smokehouse Burger place again called? I can't remember what it's called. Next to, uh, next to Revs. Ah, Fenways. Fenways, that's the one. We could yeah. always come there, make have a have a ginormous burger again. There's yeah. actually an even better place. It's not burgers, but it's a Brazilian, and it's like one of those all-you-can-eat meat buffets where they just bring round meat. Ah, uh, like a, Redi- the- a Redizio. Yeah. Yes. That yes. would be like an eating challenge evening. That yeah. would be quite. We used to have one in Norwich um, called House of Tiago. Um, like a proper all-you-can-eat radizio. I must admit, I went there for my birthday once, and 
I was pretty not ill, but I was pretty like or oh, done in by the end of it. Like yeah. a lot of meat, a lot of meat. Yeah, yeah. I you... don't fancy my chances of keeping up with any of you guys either. My you, I can eat a fair amount, but not. You'd be alright. You'd be right on most, I think. Like I think you might. You, you're obviously going to struggle with me because I'm just a, an eating machine, um, and I'm going to say that I know. Uh, Ed's alright, but I think you'd probably easily outdo both Matt and Paul. Matt and Paul. Yeah, especially Paul. Like the guy, the guy's got an appetite of a fucking bird. <laughs> oh. I would like to see if I could, hopefully. Yeah. Well, I keep saying that's the next thing we should do. We should just do a massive eating challenge. What have you got in mind? I don't know. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I'm going to Sheffield uh, in a week and a bit for a work jolly, and I've agreed to go to um a place called the cabin which is basically a brunch or cafe place and yeah. they've got an eating challenge there for pancakes 12 pancakes in 30 minutes and if anyone's interested to see what it looks like or actually well you can two options 12 pancakes or six waffles um but if anyone's interested um the number i want to say five or six uh world or, or eating what other not eating challenger so eating contest person. What 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 do you call the person that contest? I don't know. Someone's really good at eating. Basically, number five ranked in the world, or however they rank them. Um, beard meets food. Should must you must have heard of him? Uh, yeah, rings a bell. Rings yeah. Bell. So he he's obviously like the number one UK, I think, eater and like say ranked number four or five something in the world. He went there recently and did a did a YouTube video there. Just stopped in just because he fancied breakfast and just decided to take yeah. the challenge. Did it in something like seven minutes. And um, so, if anyone's interested, in what it looks like? Thirty minutes, then. Yeah, I know. Um, well, you'd think so. He he obviously is a competitive eater, so he's very very good. Um, I, however, I'm not a competitive eater, but I do like to feel or tell people I can eat. So, let's see what I do. So, I'm going there in, in I think it's a week and a bit. So, I'll see if I can smash twelve pancakes in thirty minutes. So, ah, uh, good luck. Nah, I'll be alright. If there's one thing I'm going to eat, it's either pancakes or burgers. There is no okay. doubt about it. Pancake eating challenge is the dream. Yeah. Like, that is a good thing to have to eat. Yeah. I was I, I was asking Beard, as he likes to be known, I was asking him, because um, I was messaging him on Instagram, saying, right, does he recommend the waffles or the pancakes? And he said the pancakes would be easier, because I think they'll break up better in liquids, i.e. either syrup or water. Um it's also time to avoid any claggy toppings like Nutella or peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I thought, good shout. Good shout. Although he did, he had like, six waffles that he basically ate like sandwiches, so like two at a time. Um, with like, honestly, it must have been about three jars of Nutella between the pancakes. Like so oh, much of it. But he just, yeah, smashed that down. So he, he's the one, actually, I think Mike Harrison, um, and obviously the, when the episode we had with Mike and Dan obviously they referenced in terms of like who he wants to compete with as a uh, as an yeah. eating challenger because obviously Mike Mike's just got something wrong with him in terms of his Annie, appetite yeah. yeah he's just got something wrong with his appetite regular, <laughs> regulation so yeah, I really enjoy their YouTube videos simply watching how much that he can pack away it's just ridiculous yeah yeah it, it's like it's not a good thing I don't think no. um, it's like but, a dysregulation of your appetite yeah. it's like probably something like inherently wrong with his like <laughs> yeah bacteria or like <laughs> or something but but i will say like as much as it's, it's not something i want to go and promote in terms of saying it's like a really good thing i do love watching it and f like yeah. as long as you as long as you've got the mindset of it, it's just entertainment which is that's all it is then mm -hmm. yes yeah, it's, it's 
great fun. So yeah, I do like watching it. That's why I like Beard stuff because he does some ridiculous challenges. So uh, you have to get on his YouTube channel and have a look as well. I'm about to go do. I'm going to go make myself some food and watch some. <laughs> watch some eating challenges. Yes. Right. Well, um, thank you cool. for your time. Thank you for and, having me. Um, we'll sign off there, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Cool. Bo- bonjour. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.